Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in John 8, but before we go there, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the wonderful day, for the way you've taken care of us, for the way that you love us and allow us to talk to you. You are the creator of all. You are the holy of holies. You're the king of kings. You walked amongst us. You made us. And even though you made us and you know every shortcoming and and strength, you want to fellowship with us. So, Father, I'm grateful for that. I can't express my appreciation enough. And so, Father, I just come before you seeking out your will today. As we read, Holy Spirit, I pray you guide us. Spirit, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds. You are the one who was given to us. Much as the living, wa- much as the water was provided in the desert to keep people physically alive, you're the one promised by Jesus for the eternal life, and that you would always be with us and guide us. So I ask Holy Spirit for you to guide us now as we read. I pray that our hearts and our minds and our spirits would be open to you, to what you have to say. I'm grateful for the way that you speak to others in the way that you use us in other people's lives. And I just pray, Father, for now as we speak and as we read, that it would be you talking to us, not me. That it would be your words, your wisdom, your insights. Nothing from me, all from you. I just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you, as we've been going through this, this book and just other books too. There's times when I just get, and I've talked to you about this, where I get just kind of, I don't know what to say. And I start praying about it, but I have to admit, I'm not like on my knees praying, you know, and totally like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I'm just praying for his insight because there are plenty of times when I can't find something or what I've started doing. And I almost think it's detrimental before I go to bed, I read and I start reading and preparing for today, for the mess, for the, the chapter today. And I start going through the ESV commentary and it gives so much information. I almost become paralyzed. And sometimes I th- sit there and think I could spend a month in this one chapter, but ultimately at the end of the day, this is about reading a chapter a day or thereabouts and just moving forward and familiarizing ourselves with God's word and here and f- getting used to reading his word, hearing his voice and growing closer to him. The Bible study in the deep detail can be provided in your church or a Bible study. But anyway, sometimes I get I get um I get bogged down and I then get paralyzed when it's actually time to talk and to go through it. This was one of those cases. <laughs> And so as I'm reading through and I'm going through commentary after commentary, I'm just finally, I'm just like, I'm just going to read it. God, you show me. And then all of a sudden, sure enough, there's something from Charles Spurgeon that touched my heart and I want to share it with you once it's the appropriate time. So anyways, let's jump into chapter eight. And it actually is chapter seven, verse 53. And one thing to keep in mind from 753 through 811 is not in 
the oldest manuscripts. So a lot of commentary, a lot of pastors don't even cover this because it's like, okay, it doesn't seem like it belongs, but I do. I read it. I believe it. I think about it because it's in my Bible. And so, but anyways, there is that element. Your Bible probably actually has a statement about it just in the right above the uh, beginning of the chapter. So with that, let's go to chapter 7, verse 53, and we'll just then go all the way through. Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. So I get one one verse through, and I'm already talking. This is commensurate, or is portrayed similarly as Moses would then go, and he would escape, and he went up to the mountain. And here's Jesus going to the top, up to the Mount of Olives for some peace and quiet and prayer. Verse 2, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to him or said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So she was literally in the act of, of adultery, meaning she's having sex. And so they bring her, but not the man. Now, what do you say? They asked. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote, on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Verse 12. When Jesus began When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. So in a lot of the commentaries, what is happening here is not something that's common for for us in our modern world. The Jews know their scripture tremendously inside out. They know the technical elements, which is where I tend to go. I tend to become very understand here's the right and wrong, but I don't tend to get the, the joyous or the, the better parts of things, not just the scripture, but lots of other things. Anyway, so they challenge him because he's giving his testimony. They forget that John gave the testimony that when Jesus got baptized, God spoke from heaven And they all know this. They all have heard all the stories if they weren't there, but many of them are there and talk about it, that Jesus healed the man at the pool and that others have testified that there's been other examples. But they sit there and say, oh, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid because you have to have two witnesses for it to be valid. Verse 14, Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I come from 
or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. Meaning not from the human standards does he judge. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your law, in your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am, the, I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? Again, trying to play the word games and the legal elements. You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know, also know my father. So these are the beginnings, I mean, not beginnings, this is Jesus saying, I, God and I are the same. And we may not see that because we're not experts in the law, in the scripture, you know, the Torah, like these guys are. But they understood that, and they're, they're going to start getting pissed. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, Where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that I would die, in, that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they ask. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. <clears throat> they did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you, lift up, when you lifted up the Son of Man, or when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. See, for me as a, an American, this back and forth is a little confusing because I don't know the, the Jewish law very well. But for the, for the Jews, they understood it and they believed believed him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me, because you have no room for, for my word. I, and I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what, what you have heard and you're doing what you have heard from your father. Okay, so this is where he's doing the you're the I'm from the spiritual and the, the eternal, and you're from the flesh, the temporal. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me, 
a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own, but God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe in me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? That's a big challenge. Can you prove I've done anything wrong? Have I sinned? They can't. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is what is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself. But there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this, they exclaimed, Now, he, now we know that you are, are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not fifty years old, they said to him. And you have seen Abraham? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up the stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. There is Jesus calling himself God. He is I am. So I want to go back to the verse where it's about the... uh, verses 34 through 36, where it says, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Charles Spurgeon writes, "He, He is the free man who is master of himself through the grace of God. He who serves his own passions is the slave of the worst of despots. Talk to me not of dark dungeons beneath the sea level. Speak not to me of pits in which men have been entombed and forgotten. Tell me not of heavy chains nor even of racks in the consuming fire. The slave of sin and Satan, sooner or later, knows greater horrors than these. His doom is more terrible because it is eternal. 
and his slavery more hopeless because it is one into which he willingly commits himself. So, slave to sin. So often when I think of that, I think of porn, lying, drugs, alcohol, um, prostitution, you know, just all these things. So much of it revolves around sex. Probably too much insight. But anyways, and so often that's what I tend to think about. And it's not the right view. It's not the only sin. And it's not the only thing that you need to be free of or that I need to be free of. It's really, there's so many other elements. There's so many other chains that bind. Fear. Um, stress. Not trusting God. Right? Trying to solve everything myself. There's so many other smaller chains that become more and more loops. It's not just that thing that society points out is sin, murder, right? Stealing. That's a sin. But it's really, it's not trusting God. It's all of those elements. And, but through Christ, we can have that peace. We can have those chains broken. I know for myself, I pray consistently for chains to be broken because I have fear. You know, right now it's concerned about my job. Is there fear? Fear is not from God, but it can be a chain. And as Zach Williams says, Jesus is the chain breaker. So free is the man who is master of himself through the grace of God. Spurgeon is so right. It's not through my own actions. It's not from me being um, brave. No, it's the grace of God. So with that, let's go back to God in prayer. Praise you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. Praise you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for dying for me, for becoming a human, living a life, I just pray, Holy Spirit, for you to guide us as we pray, as we go through the rest of our day and the next day. I pray we would figure out, I ask that we would learn what true freedom is, what freedom in you really is, not what we think it is, but what it really is, to be free of fear, to be free of concerns, to be free of wondering what it's like to not have those chains anymore. Father, I lift up this, the listeners. I pray for them that freedom through your grace, through your blood, would wash over all of us. That we would learn in our spirit what it means to be free indeed. I praise you for all that you've done, Lord, and I just thank you for this day. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.